in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you've suffered grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in the praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. So what's up when life's feeling so down? Well, answer. That's what's up. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 6 that we studied a few weeks ago. Uh, today, we're going to key in on, we're on the third week of our series here under pressure. We're going to key in on this. God tests. God tests. And God tests my faith. God tests your faith. Um, Abraham was one guy that knew about this. And uh, uh, God's testing of him, God's proving of his faith, God's providing the opportunity to show the reality of his faith. And we're going to go there. Genesis chapter 22. Grab your Bibles and let's go there. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some people coming around who want to have you uh, grab one of those. Because around here at Harvest, we just aren't people that talk about the Bible. We're like in it. Go figure, huh? Uh, Genesis 22, and it's in Genesis 22 where uh, we find God trialing Abraham, putting Abraham under pressure as we've been talking about. Now, some context here to understand Abraham. Uh, if you're new to the Bible, uh, Abraham. Abraham has some times in his life where we could say he has some real trophies of faith put on his life mantle for God. And he has some uh, real tragedies of faith that uh, are in his life closet, if you will. Let me highlight just a couple of the trophies up to this point. Uh, One being Genesis chapter 12. Here's, Here's all of a sudden Abraham walking around and God just sovereignly shows up. And he says, by the way, Abraham, uh, as I'm showing up here, I want to let you know I've got a plan for you. And that plan includes that you are going to be one who is going to raise a God-blessed nation. And that God-blessed nation that I'm going to have you raise is going to have a God-blessed land. If, and it was conditional, if you go. And if you go to where I'm telling you. Because he could have said no. But he stepped out. Way to go. Serious trophy of faith. Because like what? He had a lot of stuff to do. He had Walmart shopping to do. He had to go to Kroger. Other kinds of things going on. But he decided to do this. Chapter 15 is another time. There is chapter 15. Struggling with the reality. Decades later. Struggling with the reality of, okay, God has said he's going to start a nation out of me. And I don't have a kid. Now, if we put that together, it's like that's a hard equation. That doesn't work out. And he was struggling with that equation. And so he's there and in it, yet God reconfirms the covenant. And in in chapter 15, it says that Abraham believed the Lord and God counted it to him as righteousness. Listen, Abraham had some real trophies of faith and understanding what it was like to show his faith for the Lord. Abraham also had some real tragedies of faith in his life. Let me give you a couple there. Genesis chapter 12, shortly after God shows up, he and his wife, uh, you'll catch this in just a second, I'm not trying to be crass or anything, but he and his hot wife uh, go to Egypt. Genesis chapter 12, as he's going to Egypt with a, what we would call a number 10 uh, wife, because the text talks about they're coming to Egypt and his concern is, is that she is such a beautiful woman 
that they know that once they come into Egypt, the Egyptian guards are going to take her, kill him, and take her to live with Pharaoh. So Abraham's got a great idea. He's got this idea. It's called lying. And so what he does is he's like, listen, I don't want for you to go to that. I don't know how exactly how this went, but part of it is, is I don't want to die. And uh, so here's the deal. Hey, hon, how about if you and I, we'll call you my sister, and then that way they won't kill me. Okay, let's do that. Yeah, way to go. There's faith. Listen, there was a time where you and I can relate as well. God is not big enough to handle the situation at hand. And here's the quinky dink of it all. Later on in chapter 20, you know, since that works so well in, in that earlier, he does it again with King Abimelech. Exact same thing again. Hey, hon, that worked so well back then. Let's do that again. Uh, by the way, Ch- Genesis chapter 20, where that happens, is after Je- Genesis chapter 15, when he believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness. Listen, you see this struggle going on with this man. And oh, by the way, Genesis chapter 16, after Genesis chapter 15, where he said, I believe you, Genesis chapter 16, it says that they still don't have a kid. So Abraham and Sarah, they bring their collective wisdom together. And they come together and they say, listen, we don't have a child. God's going to be starting a nation. We've got a problem here. What are we going to do about it? So I know, how about this? You sleep with the servant girl. And then that kid will be like, our kid? And that'll work. And it's like, dude, that not only is that just like kind of sick, but it's just like, what? Hey, listen, Abraham, here's my point. Abraham, when we jump into chapter 22, I want for you and I to know, this is not the kind of guy that we cannot relate to. This is not like some super giant saint that has the that, that is 10 miles down the road from where you and I are at life. Listen, this guy struggled to see God big as we struggle to see God big. And there were times in his life where he did see God big as there's times in life when we see God big. Let's catch him in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham. Wait a second. Who tested Abraham? Okay, so God did what to Abraham? Are you sure? Uh, Who did God test? Listen, point number one, God tests me. God tests. Uh, Before we go any further in the the passage, I, I just have to ask, do you understand that God tests? God trials. Yeah, he does. But I thought God was the like loving grandpa in the earth that just throws down Christmas presents to me. No, listen, God tests God's trials. And this is so important because if you and I don't understand that God tests, then here's what happens. Every life trial that comes along is a purposeless hassle. Every life test that comes along is just a purposeless hassle in my life to be avoided at all costs because God isn't in it, God isn't around it, and hassles and trials and tests should not happen. But if you and I understand biblically that God does trial us, that God does test us, then every test, every trial is a God opportunity. And in fact, we go into it thinking, listen, this is a God opportunity to show my faith, which brings glory to God. 
And this is also an opportunity to show myself so that I can see my faith. Do you ever wonder, like, if God looks at me, as he does, what does God see? I mean, what's my heart really like? What, what does it show? What's my maturity? I mean, what does God see in me? I'm not talking value, but I'm talking faith. Here's the answer. You can. As we're going to see here in a little bit, the fact of the matter is we're going to see exactly what Abraham's heart was like. And folks, the same for you and I. What does my faith, what does my spiritual maturity look like before the Lord answer? Look at yourself in a trial and what shows. It's in a trial where the bare nakedness of the reality of who we are shows because God tests me. Let's keep on going. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. Incredible conversation. Verse 2, and God said to him, listen to this, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. It's so intriguing to me, so cool how the text brings in the reality. Listen, God understood the situation and God understood the emotion. God understood, Abraham, take your son. And it includes in here, take your only son. That's a big deal. Because there's God and Abraham in this covenant to build a nation and Abraham has to have a son to be able to have that happen. And this is your only son. God knows that. And he also says, Abraham, take your only son, your beloved son. Listen, God knows that this is about a loving relationship. This is not like, hey, take, take squat, whoever. God understands what's going on here in this whole thing. Uh, Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. We're going to come back to that in just a minute because I think it's really an amazing reality. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Offer your son as a burnt offering. Are you kidding me? I mean, just that image in and of itself is just disgusting. Let me just say this. Some things at the time with the Lord seem utterly insane to you and I. Some things to the Lord or to us just seem insane. Are you kidding me? Uh, Let me just throw some out there. Love your enemy. What? What? That's upside down thinking. Uh, Love your spouse who might be seeming to you right now as your enemy. That's upside down thinking because I thought marriage was about me. Uh, uh, Sexual purity. That was like gone a long time ago. That's insane. Really. How about consider trials with joy? James chapter 1, verse 2, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. That sounds insane. But listen, when we have God's perspective on things, what seems insane from a sovereign, eternal God view isn't insane at all. Why? Because God is not insane. You cling to the character of who God is, even when it doesn't feel right, look right, see right. Because God has purposes beyond what I can even know about now. We're going to see that next week with Joseph for sure. But I also want for you to take a look at this. Did you notice in the text it says the land of Moriah? 
where is the land of Moriah? We're going to find out here in a little bit. It's about three days away. But where is the land of Moriah? And what is the implications of the land of Moriah on what Abraham doesn't even know about right now? I want to play for, play, uh, for you a video of Karen and I when we were in Jerusalem in November uh, in Israel and a little video clip. Listen to the part where I talk about the past. And we'll come back. Let's go ahead and run that. Well, here we stand on a beautiful day in probably one of the most amazing places I've ever stood in my entire life. I say that because of the spot where I'm at and all what's within view here. I'm standing on the Mount of Olives, looking west, overseeing Jerusalem. We can see the wall, the temple areas, but I want to think about past, present, and the future. I think about the past, all that took place around here. Over here on this mountain was the area where Abraham was called by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. Over here is the area where David established God's kingdom here on earth. We think of Christ and the disciples literally sitting somewhere around this place. This is the round, the place where Christ, sitting with the disciples, and the Bible says how Jesus wept. You think of that. Jesus sitting up here, looking over Jerusalem, and weeping. Weeping from his gut, from the anguish of his people, and the state in which they were in. This is the round, the place where Christ ascended after his resurrection. And in the future, this is the place where Christ will be setting his foot down. What an amazing reality to think of all that's taken place and to think of all yet that's to come. One of the wonderful things to remember is that this is a spot that represents what God has said God will do. It's been done in the past happen in the future. What God has said, God will do. And we as followers of Christ hold to that truth. What God has said, God will do. Can you pause that right there? Can you just pause it? Where is the land of Moriah? Answer, right there. Did you know that? I didn't. The land of Moriah, oh, sorry, this is so cool. The land of Moriah is the place where Jerusalem is going to be. The land of Moriah is the place where the temple one day would be built. What happens at the temple? That's the place where sacrifices are made for the sins of the people. Where is Abraham going? Right in there. Some say it's right where the temple was built later on. I don't know. I'm not in the details. But we know it's up there. Listen, God's purposes are way beyond our capacity to understand what's going on. And even in all of this whole thing of with Isaac, God is sending him to a place where God knows all the things that are going to take place in the future at that spot where this is happening. And Abraham has no idea about it. But God does. Cling to the character and the purposes of God even when you and I don't get it and God's call on you and I seems ridiculous because God is not ridiculous. God tests me. 
God tests me. Two, uh, verses 3 through 10, faith is a step-by-step obedience choice. Faith is a step-by-step obedience choice. God has given Abraham a directive, and now it's time for Abraham to go do it. I want to bring up another definition or an expanded definition of faith. I love this. Faith is believing the word of God. Faith is believing the word of God. For Abraham, it was the word of God is communicated to him at that time from God. For us, it's the word of God is communicated to us in the, oh yeah, this is called the word of God. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel, knowing that God promises a good result. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel, knowing that God promises a good result. And that is a step-by-step obedience choice. Take a look at this step-by-step here. Verse 3, so Abraham rose when in the morning? early in the morning. Now, God's just said, hey, Abraham, go take your son and sacrifice him. (laughs) You're nuts. Um, And he sleeps in, and he puts it off, and he tries to hang on, and it's like, I really don't know. Look at Abraham. I'll tell you, the, the faith step number one. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, step number two of faith, and then he took his young men with him. Now, I want to make a comment on this young men term because I don't have a whole lot of time today to hit on it. Um, But this term in the Hebrew for young men is a broad term, but the vast majority of the time it's used referring to a man who's about uh, a person of about the age 18 to above, 1820s, okay? That's what's going on. Why is that important? Because the same term is used of Isaac later on. So, I'll just say this, where I'm coming from is I understand, and I think as we see in the text later on, the understanding of Isaac, the use of the Hebrew, a number of other things in this, your pictures that you have in Sunday school class of Abraham sacrificing this four, five, six-year-old little boy, I don't think is the case. I really think what we're talking about is Abraham is sacrificing an 18, 20s-year-old man. Think of the implications of that as we go through this story. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering. (laughs) This is so like the Noah story last week where we just forget everything that took place day after day after day. Cutting the wood that's going to burn your child As we read the text, we understand that he cut it. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and went, faith, step. Believing the word of God, no matter how I feel, knowing that God promises a good result. Cut the wood for the burnt offering, rose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, third day, why third day? Because they're likely in Beersheba at this point, and the traveling time from Beersheba to what is known now as Jerusalem, is a three-day trip. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes up and saw the place from afar, the place that we just had the modern-day image of. Hold on, let's not just skip by that too fast. Because they load up and they start off. What's this guy thinking on this walk? Just with his kid.
sorry. I just, with my kid, kid, my son's in his early 20s. I just said, go on this walk. How cool. We're going camping. That'd be fun. Except dinner that night, no one was coming. And then going to bed that night. I know, no one else knows. And then waking up the next morning, do I keep going or do I turn around now? No, I'm going to keep going in that whole walk for the whole next day. Then dinner together, eating together, thinking what's happening like the next day. Then they get up that morning, having their breakfast and their, uh, their oatmeal and stuff. And <laughs> there they are just hanging together as a father and a son, knowing what's coming. Listen, three days of every moment, of every time in that day is believing the word of God, no matter how I feel, knowing that God promises a good result. I don't even know what that is. Step, step, step. The third day saw the place from afar, verse 5. And then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy, and I think that's wrongly translated. Uh, that's where this is a word. I think it's more of a young man. Uh, will go over there and worship. What a perspective of what's happening here. And look at the next term. And come again to you. Ooh, that's intriguing. Is he saying, I'm going to come back? Or is he saying, we're going to go, as I understand it, we're going to go worship and we're going to come back to you. What's going on here? Real quick, everybody turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. What is going on in this man's head? Faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offering be, be named. Verse 19, he considered, this is what he was thinking, he considered that God was able. What a great statement. He considered all through the thing that God was able, able to do what? Able even to raise Isaac from the dead. Listen, I, I, what it's telling us here is Abraham was never going on this trip totally hopeless. He was going on this trip totally hopeful, struggling. Listen, you cannot do this and be a human being and not struggle. And yet he's going on this trip the whole time, believing the word of God, no matter how I feel, knowing that God promises a good result step. And the whole time he's thinking, listen, God made a covenant and God gave his word and God cut that bull ram in half and God made a covenant and walked through it. Listen, this is a promise he had made to me. And God is worthy enough, God's character. He's not about being mean. He's not about being malicious. He's not about messing around with you and I. God has a bigger plan out of this than I understand. And so I'm going to continue on even though I don't feel like it. Because God is able. Because God is able. I'm not, but God is. Oh, back to Genesis 22. 
There he is considering that God is able to make sense out of it all. God is able to be the sovereign one. God is able to be able to act perfectly. God is able to be able to redeem Isaac from the dead. Let's keep reading. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, verse 6. He's not at the altar right now. Basically, Isaac is going to carry the wood. Imagine that one. He places the wood on Isaac to be able to, so Isaac could carry it, uh, and lays it on Isaac and his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, step of faith. So they went, both of them together. There's an eerie story. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, a dad, uh, and Abraham says, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the, the fire and the wood, but dad, like, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Uh, by the way, this is someone who's able to think and understand the whole process of what's happening here. Uh, dad, I see what's going on, but the pieces fully aren't fitting together. And, and Abraham said, uh, God will provide. God is able. I said, God will provide. Hey, listen, when you're going through a trial, let me remind you, God will provide. God is able. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them, together. Verse 9, when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar, step of faith. And there laid the wood in order, step of faith. Bound Isaac, his son, step of faith. By the way, what was that like? And then laid him on the altar. Not wrestled him to the altar, but laid him on the altar. I mean, so what did he do? Like Jack Bauer him to be able to get him on the altar? I, I, I want to be careful here, but I just do want to challenge you to think. This was not only a faith reality for Abraham. This was a faith reality for Isaac. Imagine Isaac down the road, the one carrying the torch of the covenant next, remembering this situation and him understanding that God will provide very personally. Laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Got the picture in your head? Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. <laughs> Amazing. Hey, uh, do I understand that God tests me? Do I understand that faith is a step-by-step-by-step-by-step obedience walk? It's not just the fact that at one point in time I said, I'm going to, by faith, it's the point in time of living it out, step by step by step. How do we really know what's going on in Abraham's heart? What does his faith really look like? Answer, look! It shows. It's right there. And God's completely aware of everything that's going on. I mean, with a knife over it, and he's Hebrews 11-ing it, even though Hebrews wasn't written yet. God is going to provide. God is able. And then God shows up at 11.59, verse 11 and 12. Trials show who I love. Trials show who I love, verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him in heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. By the way, third time, here am I. There's something in there I don't have time to go at. But here am I. Uh, he was there. Verse 12. 
and, and the angel of the Lord says, Do not lay your hand upon the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. Now I know. Listen, I'm under pressure. I've put you in a situation that is going to show the reality. Who do you love? Who do you love? Do you love me or do you love self? That's what the fear of God is. The fear of God is the wow. God rocks. God is so awesome. And the fear of God is, oh my. God is God and I am not. Wow. Oh my. And translated as, I love God. Because God provides, because God is who he is. And no matter how I feel, I'm going on God's side. It's a moment-by-moment choice. Uh, At this moment, and then at this moment, and and now, and and then now. It's a choice. It's a whole series of choices. By the way, my job is to hear, obey, and glorify. My job is to hear, obey, and glorify. God's job is... His job is to work it all out in his perfect plan. I'm just here to hear, obey, and glorify. (laughs) Hear, obey, glorify. God's job is to make it all come together. God tests me. Faith is a step-by-step obedience choice. Trials show who I love. I'd like to ask you, in a present or recent trial, what did that trial show you about who you love? Think of one. Think of a trial. Maybe you're going through one right now. Listen, we're in this under pressure series and, and, and this whole thing that's starting to come out is, is God uses tests. God uses life to show who we really are. What's showing? Are you about the praise and the love of people or another person? Is it about my things? Is it about my money? Is it about security? Actually, I worship the idol of security. Is it about having control, power, my expectations met? Do I worship the idol of having control? Listen, if you're a control fanatic, stop. You're so not not in control. I'm about my comfort or my peace. I'll do anything, even sin, to have life be comfortable. Really? Uh, I'm about what feels good to me. I'm about lust of whatever. The sum is all those are about me. I want what I want, and I'm going to sin to get it. That's what, is that what's showing? I, I, maybe so, and if so, I would just call you to repent. I really would. I'd just call you to repent. God, I'm thinking wrong. And be encouraged. Abraham did too. He thought wrong. And yet God still used them. Or is through the process, it's like, man, I, done, I look back at this and I really am. I'm seeing God more. I'm seeing that this is an opportunity to glorify God. I'm seeing that God is in it, that he's, he's going to work through it. I'm seeing that uh, maturing faith and the reality of seeing God's provision. And even, when I don't, even though I don't like it, even though I don't understand it, God is still in it. I'm seeing that God is helping me to grow in the area of contentment before him. In perseverance for him, in humility before him, in sacrifice in my life. In other words, am I about me or am I about Christ? Trials will show this. And believe me, please believe me, 
I am so preaching at myself. Am I living like a redeemed child crucified for Christ or am I living like a redeemed child that's really all about me? Trials show who I love and also trials show who God is. Verses 13 and 14. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram. <laughs> the coinky dink of that caught in a thicket by his thorns. I mean, can you get a load of that? Uh, God... And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Listen, trials show who God is. And here it showed that God provides. Trials test my faith. Faith is a step-by-step obedience choice. Trials show who I love. Trials show who God is. And lastly, God blesses obedient faith. 15 through 19. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this. Listen, it's not about the doing, but the doing shows the being. We can do things and be a hater of God. Or a lover of self. We can do the right things and not honor God. This is about doing things that show who is. So the focus is, don't get legalistic about this. This is about the doing shows the being. Uh, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore. That's a lot of sand. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Hey, listen, this is the remaining under-reality we were talking about in James 1 two weeks ago. Abraham was remaining under when the pressure was on, not like the watermelon seeds shooting out. He was seeking to remain under. Step-by-step obedience with the Lord, knowing all along that God blesses. God's going to make this come together. Listen, the only way we can go ahead with things is knowing that God is God and God is going to bless. James chapter 1, verse 25, that you will be blessed in the doing. Hebrews 11, verse 6, you must believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Listen, friends, God rewards, God blesses. Oh, and by the way, He defines what that is. I don't. If I do X, God will give me X. No, if I do X, God will bless as he wants. And it might just be that the blessing out of that is the growth in my own life. It might just be the blessing out of that is that God gets glory. But God does bless. We know that for sure. Well, when in a trial, what do you do? Consider, set your mind. A sovereign God is over all this. There is a purpose 
He's testing my faith. Therefore, as a result of who God is, and I know this from Scripture, I choose to walk for Christ now and now and now, even when I don't feel Him, because I know that the trial will show who I am and give glory to God. And it's going to teach me about who God is. And I'm going to believe that God blesses faithfulness all through it. This is not for naught. And because of all that, I count it joy. Hey, if you're in a trial, if a trial is coming along, it's kind of actually should be like this. Usually we go, crud. Instead, I would suggest we start thinking this. God's here. God's trying to do something. God's trying to put something before me. God's trying to grow me. God's trying to show me. God's trying to use me. God's trying to show me himself. God, 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 you're here. You're in it because a trial's right here right now. And that's tough. That's tough. But that's biblical. Let me pray. Lord, um, it's hard for me to say this, but thank you for testing our faith. (laughs) You know why it's hard for me, for us to say that, because we, I, don't like to be tested. Um. But Lord, it's for my good and it's for your glory. And because part of the characteristic of who you are, because you love us and because your love is not a pampering love but a perfecting love, because of that perfecting love reality of who you are, you test us, Lord. I would first and foremost, God, pray, would you help us in our thinking about this? Because I realize this rocks our boats. And it's one thing to say it. It's a complete another thing to apply it. So my prayer right now today, God, is would you help us to apply this? May we be the kind of people that when a trial is coming, for those who are in a trial right now, that they would put their head to the scripture and see you and hold on moment by moment by moment. And may we do that together. Upside down thinking, God, help us to understand you. In your name we pray, amen.